0: to March 15th 2022 law and gospel and this is the day that on a Tuesday we take a look at a hymn we're going to be examining may god bestow on us his grace and guess what it was a hymn written by Martin Luther in 1523 when he was writing the latin mass He said we need as many songs as possible in the vernacular which people could sing during worship. In other words, German songs. So that year, he not only paraphrased Psalm 130 from depths of woe I cry to thee, but also this particular psalm, which is a paraphrase of Psalm 67. And these paraphrases served as both example and catalyst toward the goal of providing German songs for the congregation. Uh, On May 6, 1524, a man was arrested in Magdeburg for singing Luther's versification, of Psalm 67 and Psalm 130 and selling copies of them. This is a close paraphrase of Psalm 67. In fact, the conclusion of stanza one, and unto God convert them, which means the world, has led to this hymn being called the first missionary hymn of the reformation among the many stories related to this hymn the german museologist edward koch relates how gustavus adolphus of sweden during the 30 years war commanded that the hymns a mighty fortress is our god and this hymn may god bestow on us his grace be played by trumpets and kettle drums before the battle at Lutzen in 1632. The Protestant forces triumphed over the Roman Catholic forces, but unfortunately, during the battle, Gustavus Adolphus lost his life. So, this has got some good history in this hymn, and I'm just wondering what Pastor Mark Smith thinks of this hymn.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I think a lot more of this hymn now, having, having heard that background. It's very interesting. Yeah, uh, the first. this is the first really missionary hymn of the Reformation.
0: Yes, and a lot of the hymns before it, of course, were very doctrinal in explaining justification by grace, through faith, apart from works. But this hymn, as indicated, that last line, is a missionary hymn. If you'd be so kind to read
1: the first stanza. Gladly. May God bestow on us his grace with blessings rich, provide us, and may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us. That we his saving health may know, his gracious will and pleasure, and also to the nations show Christ's riches without measure, and unto God convert them.
0: So, it's that last line that talks about it being a missionary hymn. And it begins, though, that God would bestow on us his grace. Well,
1: Shall we ask you again what grace means? Grace is, grace is, uh, what God gives us when we don't deserve it. Excellent.
0: Yes. And so that is really summarized in the very next phrase with blessings rich provide us. Now, those blessings can occur even when things are negative in our life. Like, for example, uh today with uh the virus uh among many congregations it still is a blessing because shut-ins now can listen to worship services over the internet uh, do, do you do
1: that at your church yes i i really think that is uh that's one of those silver linings of this whole epidemic is that it's it's Forced the churches, even the smaller churches that are not all that much into technology, it's uh, it's forced us churches to do more Zoom, and uh, so that the people that are shut in at home or, or wherever they can uh, they can plug in and they can they can actually uh, watch the service on Zoom. That that's that's been a real blessing. On on the other hand, on the other hand, I think sometimes. Sometimes we, it's just like with any blessing we get from God, sometimes we get a little bit lazy. And instead of, instead of uh, venturing out to church and, uh, and enjoying fellowship and uh, mutual nurturing of, of fellow worshipers, we stay at home. And we become a little bit isolated sometimes. But I still think it's, I think it's a great blessing.
0: Now, there's one item during worship that cannot be done on Zoom. Yes. That's and the that's Lord's the- Supper. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there has been some controversy where some pastors thought it would be an idea that they would say the words of institution over the internet, and that way people could have bread and wine at home and take the Lord's Supper. But that has been shown that the pastor really doesn't have his authority there as to who can take. The, the bread and the wine as the body and blood of Christ. And yeah. so it's frowned upon that that is a practice uh, done by some congregations.
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, important to have pastoral care in connection with the Lord's Supper, absolutely.
0: Yes, because unlike baptism, in 1 Corinthians 11, people were actually getting sick and some were dying because they took the Lord's Supper inappropriately. Uh, Recently at the congregations I'm serving, I had uh, two college students come up after the worship, and they asked me, is it okay if we commune? But uh, neither of them were Lutheran, and I told them, no, you would need to go through an adult instruction class, because we want people to understand what is going on in the lord's supper as a way of protecting them against well these problems of getting ill or even dying that first Corinthians, first corinthians 11 talks about on
1: those who aren't understanding what's happening right that's right and not only now, that tom but you know as well as i do that you know sometimes you go out and you visit these these shut-ins uh, people yes. that aren't able to make it to church. And, you know, sometimes they're more lucid and uh, aware of what's going on than other times. And, uh, yeah. you know, you, you, you have to you know, so there's uh, there's been some times when I w- wouldn't hesitate to commune some people, but others people, when they're when they're kind of they're confused and they talk about they talk about loved ones that are. Uh, no longer living and, and and you can tell they're they're in a confused state of mind well then you have to you really have to uh wonder should they be communed and that's in that instance
0: yeah there there needs to be a, an understanding right. and that's why we often will explain with the words of institution what yeah. is happening that's take right. eat, this is my body take drink this is my blood right now, now, how do you understand this next phrase, and may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us? Where do well, we see I, the brightness of his face?
1: Well, I, you know, that reminds me of the Aaronic benediction. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. That's, that's kind of how I took that. How about you? That's...
0: Well that's really good, in fact, remember how the benediction also says that his countenance would be lifted up, and I asked the congregation once during the Bible study what does that mean and there were hardly anybody who understood what the word countenance meant uh-huh. and yet they've heard it for years yeah uh, what do, what does it mean well his countenance his uh his uh, presence yes his smiling face upon us his grace yes his grace and favor and that's where this brightness of his face to his each to life eternal guide us remember we're doing a study also on proverbs by solomon and he keeps talking about the two ways the way of the world is the broad road And Jesus' road is the narrow road. And it is that narrow road that he guides us on and takes us. It was what John the baptizer was doing in leveling those who thought more highly of themselves than they ought to and bringing up those who were depressed because of their sin. And that's what the baptism of repentance was all about. Yes. All right. It says that we like saving, that we His saving health may know. Now, the word health there, when people hear it, especially children, they're thinking of physical health. Right. But what health is being spoken of here?
1: He's talking about he's talking about spiritual health, uh, faith, strong faith. Yes. And so
0: that we may know that saving health, the word health can often mean salvation in the scripture. And we find that out. Here we go again. His gracious will and pleasure. Um, we're reading the passage where it says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but he desires them to repent and come on that saving path. And that's where we get into the last part of the verse. And also to the nations show. Now what's
1: the word nations from a again, biblical point of view? Again, this is this is a missionary hymn and uh god would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth go and make disciples of all nations baptizing in the name of the father son and holy spirit and teaching them to observe all that i've commanded you you know something else on that saving health what do they mean by the saving health it's saving health it's 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 basically it's it's saving faith it's 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 also clinging to the promises of Christ, knowing, you know, knowing fully assured and fully confident of the salvation that we have in him.
0: That, that's a good point to make, that in this health that we receive from Jesus, it saves us. And that's why we're saved by grace through faith on account of Jesus. Right. Okay, I'll read stanza two. Thine over all shall be the praise and thanks of every nation. And all the world with joy shall raise the voice of exaltation. For thou shalt judge the earth, O Lord, nor suffer sin to flourish. Thy people's pasture is thy word their souls to feed and nourish in righteous paths to keep them. So this is really a good summary of what happens when the nations, and remember the word nation in the Bible often also refers to Gentiles. So there's no distinction between Jew
1: or Gentile. Yeah uh and that opening word <clears throat> thine in other words yours y- your your praise alone o- o- over all shall be and thanks of every nation of all even the gentiles uh every knee shall bow every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is lord to the glory of god the father thine so over all shall be what yes
0: what's the voice of exaltation
1: Let's see the voice of exaltation. I'm looking at the context here. Uh, and all the world with joy shall raise the voice of exaltation. Uh, you know, everybody. Well, well, like I said, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, everybody. There will there will be no. You know, when he came to earth as a little baby, there were many who rejected him. Obviously, but when he comes on the last day, nobody. There there'll be no room for rejecting him. I mean, everyone will recognize. There'll be no mistaking who he is. Yes, and that
0: voice of exaltation you mentioned his birth. That would have been the angels talking right. to the shepherds. Yes, and and then that led the shepherds to do what?
1: Uh, they well, first they had to go. We, we've got to go see this. We they went yes. to. Uh, to look for the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, they went and and then after that, after they departed, they told all sorts of people, everybody they ran into, they told them about uh, about the whole the whole uh, event, the angels appearing to them, the glory shining round about them, and and that they were bringing the good news of uh, the the child, the long awaited savior, born and lying in a manger.
0: And we find that also in the temple when Jesus had first gone there, taken by Mary and Joseph after his
1: birth, by Simeon and Anna. Right. How I've, got a question. I've got yes. a question for you, Tom, on this one line. For thou shalt judge the earth, O Lord, uh, nor suffer sin to flourish. Now my question is, is he talking about the final judgment or is he talking about uh, the judgment uh, that uh, will become evident even in this life already?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a good distinction, and I would definitely say it's both, because in our life, God does not permit—that means what suffer means—permit sin to flourish. Uh, remember that First Corinthians ten thirteen. Yes, you'll be tempted, but not beyond your ability to endure right. as you turn to Christ. In fact, that, that's uh, the Bible passage for this week. Um, mm-hmm. He'll even provide a, a way of escape. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And that's what, of course, Jesus did with the temptations from Satan.
1: Yeah, in fact, uh, judgment is also a theme in, uh, in the gospel, and uh i'm i'm not absolutely sure about ezekiel but i know last week's lessons uh you, you know the prophet uh, jeremiah um you know he he told the people uh you know do with me as you as you as you want but know this that god sent me to to speak this word to israel he warned them he said i look I, i'm i'm telling you what god says to you you better repent Repentance is a key is a key theme for the lessons these days.
0: Well, that's Ezekiel 33, which is the Old Testament lesson. God says to Ezekiel, Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. And then he does say something that I found really interesting, that this is where I, he says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Right. But he goes ahead and indicates, though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered. I use that as a wonderful example of law and gospel in the Old Testament, that no deed you do will ever be remembered by god as a means of saving you it's always the deeds of jesus that save you then you can do righteous deeds but they are fruit of the holy spirit not your own good works which you have willed from yourself yes
1: and i think it's it's apostle paul that warns us that if, if you think you're saved by your own works You have fallen from grace. You you do not have it right at all. See, he warns us about that.
0: Well, verse 18 of uh, Ezekiel 33: when the righteous turns from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. The righteous are righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. Turning from that is an act of unbelief.
1: That's right. Now
0: there's yeah, we, another really important point in stanza two about what is our pasture?
1: Oh, the word. Yeah, you know that reminds me of uh, of the twenty third psalm. Um, how so? Well, the green pastures of His word. Yes. Uh, let's see. How does it? How does it uh, help me, Tom? How does the psalm go? Um, I've got to get Lord. started is my My shepherd, shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The green pastures, of course, are his word. That's what he wants us to feed on. Not on uh, poisonous, uh, false teaching, but on the green pastures of his word.
0: Yes. And why still waters?
1: Yeah, that's because, uh, well... uh, I'm trying to think. Uh... Well,
0: that's because sheep have wool, and if they try and drink from a raging river, it could sweep can... them away. Exactly. So and, instead, and... God has for them still waters. Right. And in a Bible study, you could ask your people, What were the still waters that you experienced from God? And we're not talking about drinking water, we're talking how he brought you through the suffering that you've endured and other such things. Yeah, I think of Stillwaters as
1: being uh, part of his word that's real, the real comfort, the real comfort of his word, the gospel. Well, what does whether he say? Be, whether that be in the, in the form of the sacraments or, or, uh, or the gospel preached and taught or shared.
0: What does he say to the Samaritan woman?
1: Remember at the well, he says says, the water I have to give is a water welling up to eternal life. And she asked for some of that water. Yeah, and remember, remember how once he'd given her that water, he says, "I who speak to you am He. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior." Remember how she left her water, her water jar, which is what she came to get first of all from the well. She left her water jar and ran to the village to tell to tell tell the people of the village, "Hey." Uh come and meet a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Can he be the messiah?
0: and they believed her, but then when they came and Jesus stayed with them a few days, then yeah. they believed because of what he had said absolutely
1: okay She's the first you know she was the first recorded uh evangelist in the Gospel of john oh okay yeah the the woman at the well, the woman who had five or six. Five or six husbands, or the last one was not her husband, but she was still living with. She turns out to be the first recorded evangelist, the the, the one sharing the gospel in the book of John.
0: Interesting.
1: Isn't that ironic? All
0: right. Stanza three, please.
1: Yeah. Oh, let the people praise thy worth in all good works increasing. The land shall plenteous fruit bring forth. Thy word is rich in blessing. May God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit bless us. Let all the world praise him alone. Let solemn awe possess us. Now let our hearts say, Amen.
0: Now that's interesting, that last, because in the older hymnals, there was almost always an Amen at the end. Now this one has Amen as the last word. And what does amen mean? Yea,
1: yea, it shall be so. Absolutely. You know.
0: So we sing the hymn, and then we say that we believe the promises that right. in that hymn.
1: That is right.
0: So this is a really good stanza to show that good works do increase, but not because we're doing them to be saved, but rather because we're doing them because we have been saved. We praise thy worth in all good works increasing. And that's on the basis of praising his worth. What would be a synonym for worth? Value. Yes, that we praise the value that Jesus has. You know, when you buy a car and get a good deal or a house, that's valuable. And so we praise God. And what happens? The land shall plenteous fruit bring forth because the word is rich in blessing. Notice what's rich in blessing.
1: His word,
0: which are his
1: promises. Is it talking about, Tom, is it talking about uh, fruits of faith, or is it talking about literal fruit growing from the land?
0: Well, God always uses metaphors to explain himself. And so the land shall plenteous fruit bring forth. That was a promise given to the Israelites when they came into Canaan. And that, of course, also meant that they would be victorious over their enemies and also that they would have proper worship so that's how the word is rich in blessing because plenteous fruit okay that kind of closes may god bestow on us his
1: grace you going to sing it this sunday um i'm afraid not tom but knowing what i know now maybe i would have i would have picked it
0: Well, we're going to be singing it because it fits well with the gospel and the Old Testament. You've been listening to Law and Gospel. Join with us tomorrow. God bless you.